Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, thank you for coming along to a bit of a different service that we have uh, tonight. Uh, yeah. I do thank you for coming along, and if you are new here tonight, this is a slight different service. Uh, as a church, for quite a while now, we've made the intentional effort, decision to want to be more outreach focused, to want to love our community. It's part of our Vision 2030 statement, to be a people who love God, who love the community, and who love one another. And so tonight, we're actually going to be spending some time being trained and equipped and how to be intentional in our relationships. How can we build relationships that are evangelistically focused? How can we build relationships uh, that have spiritual conversations? And so that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. And so our outline, we're going to shortly sing a few songs. Uh, we're going to praise God. Uh, then we're going to look at our training. And then after our service, we're going to actually have a barbecue out the front. So please do hang around and we can continue to chat and share uh, with one another um, about how we can be sharing our faith with others. And so to begin our service, I want to open up uh, God's Word with us uh, to a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23. Uh, this, in this passage, we see Paul demonstrate a, a mantra, a philosophy, a lifestyle of what it means to be evangelistically focused in our relationships. Do we have the slide of 1 Corinthians up there? I'm going to read it for us. Yes, fantastic. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19. I'm going to read through to verse 23. And have a look at Paul's lifestyle as I read this. It says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became like the weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. As you read that passage, I hope you see Paul's lifestyle, his mantra to be all things to all people, so that some may possibly be saved. And we want to begin to take on that mantra, that lifestyle tonight. We want to be equipped together so that we might be able to be all things to all people. Because the truth is, you're the best person to evangelize your friend. Uh, you are the one who knows them, who spends time with them. Uh, and so we want to be intentional uh, in building relationships that are evangelistic-minded so that some may be saved. And I think it's important to acknowledge that the fact that you're here says to me, communicates to me, that you at least have a desire uh, to share your faith. You might be at many different stages here. Some of us may be very nervous and feel ill-equipped, and others might feel confident and experienced. But the fact that you're here tells me you have a desire to share your faith, to love this community. And so... We're going to be working through that tonight together, particularly looking at how I can build, how we can build relationships that foster spiritual conversations where we can talk about our faith. So before we uh, stand and sing, why don't I pray for us in our evening here? Please join me. Dear Lord, we, we thank you so much for the gospel, for our Saviour Jesus Christ who has come and who has saved wretched sinners like us. In our weakness, Lord, you came down and saved us from our sin. And Lord, may we marvel at it, uh, may we delight in your grace and long to share the good news about our Redeemer, about our Saviour with other people. Our Lord, it is actually in our weakness that you use us. And so we pray, Lord, 
Um, May your grace abound in our lives that people may come to know uh, the amazing work of Christ, that they may see uh, and hear the incredible work of what you've done, Lord, and come to put their trust and hope in you. Tonight we ask, Lord, that you just help us take one extra step on that journey. Uh, Be building us up so that we may be equipped through your Holy Spirit to share the good news about Christ. Pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. So let's stand and sing. Ruben's going to lead us in two songs and then we'll head into our training. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing, let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of
So as I alluded to before, tonight our focus is on how we can build relationships that foster spiritual conversations. Uh, next week we're going to look at how we can involve or our relationships can involve one-to-one Bible reading. But tonight we want to look at in our relationships, in our friendships with colleagues, with family, with friends, how can we start to chat about Jesus? Um, and so we're going to look through four things. Uh, And the four things are prayer. So the first thing is prayer. And then we're going to look at how we can be creating opportunities uh, to be sharing the gospel. And we're going to look at how we can do that through asking questions and then hopefully sharing the gospel. And so as we look through this, I want us to keep in mind that evangelism is a lifestyle. It's not a one-off moment in our life. It's not a single interaction, but rather a lifestyle. And so as we go through these four points tonight, I want us to think of them uh, as things that we can involve constantly in our lives. There's a slight linear process to them, But really be keeping in mind these four things should be uh, in my daily life and I should be considering them in that way. So let's jump into it. Let's look at prayer. Prayer is our first point. Uh, And why do we start with prayer? Well, firstly, because it's not you, it's not me who brings people to faith. By ourselves, it doesn't matter how gifted, how skilled you are, In evangelism, you cannot bring someone to faith, but God can. And so we need to be praying to the God who does transform lives, who has transformed your life, who has saved you, and therefore can save others. This is the God who we should be praying to, the God who loves to see people come to know him, to come into relationship with him. And so I'm going to read for us Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 to 6, which talk about uh, 
prayer and prayer in evangelism. And as I read these words to you, afterwards, I'm going to ask you a question. You're going to have about a minute or two to just discuss with in pairs or the people around you, what are we told to pray for and why is it significant? So what are we told to pray for and why is it significant? So let me read uh, these verses. Colossians 4, starting at verse 2. It says, Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So take one minute with the person next to you to chat about what are we told to pray for and why you think it's significant. Go, have a minute. Discussions there are about what we should pray for and why it's significant. I'm going to work through that with us. Uh, and the first thing I want to say is it's interesting in this passage, these few verses, uh, that we see in verses 5 and 6, there's a call. There's a call for us to be wise in the way we act towards outsiders. There's a call for us to make the most of every opportunity. There's a call for us to be full of grace in our conversations, seasoned with salt. There's a call for us to know how to answer everyone. In other words, there's a call to evangelism in verse 5 and 6, to talk and share our faith. But in the verses prior to that, we're called to pray. Before we do the evangelism, we're called to pray. And that's significant, I think. I think that's very significant. Uh, and what are we called to pray for? I think there's three things we're called to pray for. You'll see in verse 2, it says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. First thing we should be doing is actually being alert to what is going on around us. If I'm being devoted to prayer and I'm watchful, I'm alert to the people who are around me, the opportunities around me, and I'm praying about them. 
And I'm also thanking God for the opportunities, thanking God for the gospel in my own life and thanking God for the opportunities to share it. So first thing is pray, or our prayers, we are devoted to prayer, be watchful and thankful. Then in verse 3, we're called to pray that God may open a door for our message. We need to pray for opportunities. Be praying, God, open the door wide uh, in my workplace, in my family, with my friends. Lord, open the door that you may give me opportunities to speak. And then thirdly, we're in verse 4, we're called to pray that if we do have an opportunity, may we speak with clarity. May we proclaim it clearly as we should. And so I think that's a fantastic uh, outline of how we can be praying uh, evangelistically. Firstly, praying that we're watchful and thankful, that we're alert to what we're praying for. Secondly, that we're praying for opportunities, that the door will be opened. And then thirdly, praying that if we do have an opportunity, God, may you give us the words to say. May we proclaim it clearly as we should. And so the first step, prayer, I encourage you, use that model and go back to these verses in Colossians 4 of how we should pray. And God loves to answer these prayers, doesn't he? He loves to open the door that we may be able to share the gospel. So that is our first step, prayer. Let's head on to number two, how we can be creating opportunities. Because opportunities to share our faith often don't come about randomly. Maybe they do in your life, but for me, most people aren't knocking on the door asking me to share my faith with them. Opportunities don't come about randomly. And the first thing we need to be doing then to create opportunities is spend time in the community. Spend time with non-Christians, becoming involved in their lives, in their activities. In other words, we need to be willing to go. We need to be willing to go and step out of our comfort zone and our homes to spend time with the community, with non-Christians. And so one of the great advantages or one of the normal things that happens when we spend time with people is that we have conversations. When we meet up with people, we talk. Uh, And uh, although Shrek says ogres are like layers, Sam Chan, who's an evangelist in Australia, in his book, says that conversations have layers. They're like onions and have layers. And there's three layers to our conversations. Firstly, there's the interest level layer. This is, we chat about the weather. We chat about the sport. We talk about what our kids are up to. We talk about what TV shows we've watched. We talk about the books we're reading. They're just the basic level interest conversations, which you probably have on a daily basis with people you come into interaction with. But then Sam Chan talks about the next layer. We talk about our values. And this is really getting at the the question of why. Well, why do you send your kids to that school? Why do you love sport so much? Why are you interested in that book? Why do you do that job? Starting to get behind the interest level to some of the values and beliefs. And then the third layer to that is worldview. This is where we start to talk about what's our purpose, what's the afterlife, religion, spirituality. And so there's these three layers to conversation. And so for us just going, us just spending time in the community, this at least creates opportunities for us to talk about the interest level conversation things, to chat about the weather, to chat about the sport, which is fantastic because you're often not going to meet someone and they're going to go, hi, my name's Jed, let's chat about religion. Most people are going to back off. We need to talk about interest level things to get to know people, to break the ice before we can start to talk about the values. And so going, spending time with people is fantastic. If people are inviting you along to things, go because then they're more likely to reciprocate that and come along to the things you invite them to. 
So our second step is create, to create opportunities is actually going. Spending time with non-Christians. But what we really want to look at now is how can I take those interest-level conversations to a deeper level, to, to talking about our values and our worldviews. And that's our third step. That's what we're going to look at now. And we're looking at asking questions. So often uh, as we go uh, and we're talking with people, you might think, for me to be able to share my faith, I need to have all the answers prepared. I can't get into a conversation until I have all the answers. But Doug Pollock, uh, who writes a book about evangelism, says and challenges us, how often do you think about having the right questions? In your conversations, in your relationships, how often do you think about having the right questions? We know uh, opportunities to share our faith don't come about randomly. So why might questions be so effective, helpful, and powerful in us being able to have spiritual conversations with others. I'm going to share with you a few reasons why I think ask, asking questions can be really, really effective in opening up uh, and being able to chat to people about our faith. First thing, I think questions give us a place to start, a conversation. They, they help us connect with other people and just find out about their interests. At a basic level, questions help us to do that. Secondly, I think questions communicate respect and an interest in other people's views and opinions. If I'm asking you questions about what do you believe and why, there's a level of respect and interest to actually sit and listen to someone. Thirdly, I think questions invite people to discuss their values and worldviews in a safe environment. The questions help us to understand actually how other people think. Outside of our faith, how do other people think? The questions we ask give them an opportunity in a safe environment to discuss them. Fourthly, questions, I believe, can be more important than answers. Why? Because most people in our conversations aren't actually ready for the answers that we want to share with them. They're not thinking about the answers yet, and so why would they be willing to listen to us? For example, if someone doesn't believe they are sinful, why do they want to hear a solution to how they need forgiveness for their sins? First of all, they need to be considering the question, am I sinful? Why is the world broken? Why is there bad stuff happening? If they're not thinking through those things, they're not ready for the answer yet. But our questions give them the opportunity to think through them. And fifthly, questions help peel back the layers of someone's heart and expose the things that really stand between them and God. Often we assume what is the barrier between them and God. But as we ask questions and we hear and we listen, we actually come to understand why someone does not trust God. And so it's really important that we ask questions, that we keep people thinking, that they keep pondering, that they keep seeking answers. It's actually a tragedy when they stop. We should be delighted when people are wrestling with truths and be devastated when they stop. Now, I want us to turn to a few passages in Scripture because you may have noticed that Jesus asks questions all the time. And he does this in a really clever and strategic way. And so I want us to think through why did Jesus ask questions. I'm going to give uh, two examples uh, and I'm going to read this first passage for us, Matthew 16, and then we'll go off into our pairs and our groups again and just... For a minute, think about why did Jesus ask this question? What's he doing? So let me grab Matthew 16, verses 16, no, verses, chapter 16, verses 13 to 15. 
So it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Take another minute with the people around you. Why did Jesus ask these questions? What's he, what's he trying to get at? Take a minute. So, why did Jesus ask these questions? It's a fantastic question he asks, uh, and there's two questions there. First of all, he asks, just generally, uh, to his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? It's not too direct. Uh, Jesus was certainly gaining a lot of interest, and the crowds were following him. And so it would have been quite a normal question to ask. Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they give their feedback. Some people are saying John the Baptist, others are saying Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. That's just what I'm hearing. People are saying these things. But then Jesus takes it to another level and asks them, but what about you? Lots of people are saying lots of different things. What about you? Who do you say the Son of Man is? This is a fantastic tool we can use as we ask questions to talk about just common news events, to be talking about and ask people, what do you think about things that are happening in our community, in our country, in the world? Ask people about them, but then go deeper. Invite them to share their belief to share their opinion, to share their view. You can ask, what are people saying about the wars or COVID or anything that they're interested in? And then invite them, and what do you think? So you can start to get to know what do they really believe? What are their values? What are their beliefs? So that's one tool you could use as you ask questions. Uh, and Jesus certainly did that. We're going to have a look at another passage now. Uh, we're going to flick over to Luke 18, uh, where Jesus, again, asks another question. And then we'll break off into our pairs and our groups and consider the same question. Why did Jesus ask these types of questions? So Luke 18, verses 18 uh, and 19. It says, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. 
Take another minute. Why did Jesus ask this question? Jesus is very sneaky here, isn't he? Asking, answering a question with a question. Uh, maybe you could try that. I think one thing that's significant that Jesus does here is he listens. He's listening to what the certain rich ruler, uh, the certain ruler says. The certain ruler says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now Jesus could easily answer that question, couldn't he? But he wants to get to know this person better. And so he's listened and he's heard and he said, Oh, he's called me good teacher. And so he's asked him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He's probing him further. And that's a great lesson for us. To listen well to what people say and to ask them, follow up. Oh, why did you say that? Why do you believe that? You might hear someone themselves say, Oh, I think all people are good. Ask them, What do you think is a good person? Probe deeper on their own comments. I think people are quite comfortable or at least willing um, to share about what they believe if it's something they've said themselves. And so in our conversations, listen. Listen to people, listen to what they say, and ask them, uh, follow up on them. Well, why did you say that? What do you really mean? And so these are just two examples of how Jesus has used questions, different types of questions, to really open up the conversation, to listen uh, and hear what people believe. And so as you read through uh, the Gospels, I encourage you, look out for how Jesus responds to people, the different questions he asks, and consider why is he asking those questions, and how can I use that in my life? How can I be using questions? Now, Sam Chan, who I mentioned before, uh, he has a wonderful way or an idea of how we can combine both the going, the creating opportunities, and the asking questions and having deeper conversations. So his simple suggestion is three things. Coffee, dinner, gospel. He thinks that we start with coffee or something similar and that's where in a safe space we can start talking to people about the interest level things. Coffee, it might take uh, only 20, 30 minutes and you chat about the general interest level things. It's safe, people feel comfortable. And then invite them over for dinner. 
As you're invited to someone's house, you're probably going to be there for a longer period of time, maybe two, three hours. Conversations are likely to go deeper. You're likely to discuss and ask questions about different things. And in that way, you might get to know someone better on a deeper level. And from there, he thinks that over time, as we do that, we'll have more opportunities to share our faith. And so that might be a strategy, a tactic uh, that you use. Coffee, dinner, gospel. Or something similar. What's a way that you can get to know someone and have interest-level conversations? What's a way that you can go deeper and spend more time with them? And as you listen to them, what's a way that you can share the gospel? I encourage you to think about that. So, we've looked at the first three things. We've looked at prayer... We've looked at going and creating opportunities. We've looked at asking questions, which open up our conversations. And the fourth thing we want to look at is, okay, how do I share the gospel now? I want to share the good news about Christ with someone. And how can I do this? And as we've alluded to before, listening is really important. We need to listen well to the people we're trying to share with. Because we ask questions that peel back the layers of someone's heart, we get to hear and understand them better. And the better we know someone, the better we can share the gospel with them in a way that is relevant, in a way that resonates with them. Coming back to Sam Chan again, he describes this as getting to know someone's storyline. In his book, he suggests that everyone has a storyline, whether they know about it or not. And it's important for us to try and understand their storyline so that we can share the gospel with them in a relevant, and relevant way and a way that resonates with them. So I'm going to take a few moments uh, to share with you what this storyline is that Sam Chan talks about. So there's four components. Uh, these are the four components. And as I go through this, it may become slightly theoretical, but the important thing is we want to listen to people so that we get to know and understand them better. So Sam's four uh, components of the storyline. The first one is creation. Everyone has their identity. And this is who they are or who they think they are. What do they think they were meant to be? Everyone then has their fall or their problem. This is what is wrong with them or what is wrong with the world. Then they have number three, their redemption, their solution. I have my problem. What needs to happen? What can I do? What can others do to fix this problem so that things are put right? And then number four, their consummation or their hope is that the state of affairs that they are hoping will give them that meaning and satisfaction which they think they were created for back in point one. So as we ask questions, we're trying to listen well and piece different bits of this puzzle together, of their storyline. I'm going to give you an example and I hope this brings a bit of clarity uh, to this concept. So at the start of our service, I read 1 Corinthians chapter 9 with us, about how Paul uh, was trying to be all things to all people. Uh, to the Jews, he was trying to be like a Jew. To the Gentiles, he was trying to be like a Gentile. So if we think about the Jews' storyline, what are these four components? Well, their creation, their identity, was that they were God's chosen people. They had been God's chosen people, and they had sought to follow God and be his people. Now, what was their problem? Their problem there was that sin. They could not live up to the law. But what was their solution? Their solution was, try as hard as I possibly can to live up to the law, and where I do fall short, I can offer sacrifices and the ceremonial cleansings that I can do. And if I do those, then my hope, my consummation is that I will be right with God. 
I will be God's chosen people and I'll be righteous in his sight. And so Paul has listened. He's come to understand this storyline. But the important thing as we listen is that how can I now share the gospel in a relevant way to this person that answers their storyline? And so in this example, what might that look like? If we go through the four things again, we could resonate and agree with them. Yes, you are God's chosen people and God has blessed you for a long time. And yes, your problem is your sin, that you cannot live up to the law, that you have rejected God. But the solution is not ceremonial cleansing and sacrifices and, and following the law so that we're righteous in God's eyes. No, the solution is that actually God, through Jesus, his son, fulfilled the law. And he was the ultimate sacrifice in our place. That now our sins are wiped away because Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And so our hope, number four, our consummation, is that we can be righteous before God only through Jesus. Now you see, as I shared there, I didn't discard or reject their storyline. But instead, I sought to fulfill it, to resolve it, to give a better answer. Because the gospel is always the best answer that people need. It is the answer they long for without them being aware of it. And so I'm going to give us an exercise to do in our groups again. And I want us to think through what are the storylines that you encounter in your life? In the people you spend time with, uh, you, your family, your friends, your colleagues, what are the common storylines that you've experienced? And, and to give you a few examples, it could be someone is really focused on career success. And so their identity is being successful. Their problem is that other people are more successful. Their hope is if they work harder or their solutions, they work harder then they will be the successful person that they have sought to be. That's just one example. It could be also security or comfort they're chasing, acceptance, prosperity, happiness, fulfillment. So chat with the people around you. What are some of the uh, storylines you've encountered uh, in the people that you know? Take two minutes again to do that, maybe a bit longer, and then we'll come back again. questions about that because I know that's a fair bit just come find me uh, and I'll chat with you
I know I've only given you a few minutes there, but I do hope that exercise, and I encourage you to keep thinking uh, about different people's storylines in your growth groups, in your families, with your friends. Um, And the important thing is, I know that can be quite theoretical, and in practice we're probably not going to write down someone's four points of their storyline. But the important thing to remember is that we need to be listening well so that we understand someone, so that we uh, can empathize with them, so that we can share the gospel in a way uh, that resonates with their ears. And so I think it's important for us uh, to be willing to go spend time with people, to ask questions and listen well, so that we may have that opportunity to share a part of the gospel with them. And now I do want to remind us that as we've looked through these four steps, evangelism is a lifestyle. This takes time. It's not going to happen all in the coming week. But what's important, and probably the most important thing to take away from our time together, is that we need to be intentional. We need to be intentional in building relationships. Be intentional in having conversations with people. Intentional in asking them questions, inviting them over to our house, uh, going over to their house, spending time with people so that we get to know them. And as we get to know them, we need to be intentional uh, in being willing to share our faith. As people come to know us and see us live out our faith and share our faith, it starts to make sense. These two things of our actions and our, and our words begin to line up. And, and so, yes, there is no silver bullet approach uh, to evangelism, but it requires intentional effort. Uh, it requires us uh, desiring and loving them, caring for them. I think that's a really important thing to, to consider This person who I want to share my faith with, do I love them? Do I care for them and long for them to come to know Christ? So as we close uh, tonight, let me give us a quick recap. uh, And then we're going to, or you can join us for a barbecue and and we can continue these conversations. uh, And I would be more than uh, happy to answer any questions that you might have. So let's remember to start with prayer. Praying that we are watchful, that we are thankful. Praying for opportunities that God may open a door for us. And praying that if God opens a door, we may speak clearly. So prayer. Uh, The second one is we need to be going, spending time with people. Making sure uh, this is a priority for us. Because it's going to be hard for us to have conversations if we're not spending time with others. Thirdly, ask questions. Let's take our conversations deeper, beyond the interest level stuff. Start asking them why they believe different things. Why do they value different things? And then fourthly, let's listen well. Let's listen well to the storylines that are happening around us. We see it in the media. We see it in our workplaces. We see it in our families, the things that are important to people. We need to listen well so that when God opens that door, we may share the hope that we have. And that hope can be very simple. uh, And I encourage you to share it in a way that is uh, your words, not other people's words. What does the gospel, what does Jesus mean to you? Now, as I've said, this is going to take time. um, And so be patient, but be intentional. But it's also going to take a team effort. Uh, what we are talking about tonight is not solely on your shoulders. Uh, It requires the body of Christ. And we are very blessed here to have one another, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, uh, to support one another in this. And so please don't feel like you're alone in this, um, but feel like you're a part of the body of Christ, which works together to bring glory to God and share his name. So please uh, be encouraged that you are not alone and more than anything, God is always with you.
So uh, let me pray for us uh, and then we can continue our time in fellowship uh, out the front with the barbecue. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come before you. uh, And as we think about evangelism, often we are nervous, we are afraid and we feel ill-equipped. And a lot of those things are true. We are weak. Uh, Lord, yet you are strong, and your gospel is what saves. Uh, It is not our eloquent words, uh, but it is the simplicity of your gospel, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray uh, that we have a heart and a love for the people in our lives. Uh, Lord, that we, uh, although we are not the most skilled and experienced and gifted Lord, that is the body of Christ, which you have chosen uh, to be your light to this world, to this community around us. And so, Lord, may we go uh, in the grace and in the strength that you have given us uh, to trust in you, to be intentional. Uh, Lord, praying that you will transform lives. And Lord, may we rejoice Uh, as you do that, as we see people come to know Christ. Lord, may we support one another in this, knowing that it will take time, um, but it is worth it. Uh, Lord, we ask that you continue to give us compassion uh, for the community, for our friends, and Holy Spirit, please, please, please do mighty, mighty things for your kingdom. Pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.